This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's cooler than Freddie Jackson drinking a milkshake. He's cooler than a polar bear's toenails. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I'm from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week, man, is going to get so much less week. We got a ton of good stuff. I'm going to talk about. Going to talk about two mediocre action movies that I saw. We are going to have a who's who in the DC Comics universe about the latest dude to enter the DCW TV universe, Black Lightning. He's a fave of mine. It's going to be fun. We are we're just going to have such a good time, dude. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to come out feeling better than when they started. So let me uh, let me look around here on the drive and try to find this file. All right, hit it. Lemon to a lime, a lime to a lemon. Most of you podcasts are like TV bloopers, but I see robots is like DB Cooper. He's out to get the moolah and then he'll get out quick with a thick grip of chips and a super thick outfit. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. Get off the Bozak, you're just a customer. Well, that's not how I feel. Maybe I felt that way at one point, but now, now I feel like we've been doing this a while and that we're all good friends. So this week we got, we got something kind of fun. I got a dude on the phone already, got it all hooked up. A, a guy who wanted to come back on the air, talk with us a bit. Uh, you know him as A.B. Silver. Hello, I see robots. I am happy to be back on the show. And I am happy to have you back back on the show so are you are you still working on that movie yes we are in pre-production on my biopic it is coming along quite well it is not too late to come aboard no that's cool of you to offer but um i don't really have the uh don't really have the liquid cash right now to invest in a in a feature film i've been putting my a lot of my money into uh star wars the last jedi action figures but thanks you know thanks for thinking of me i appreciate it i thought that you might say that I have someone here with me that would like to talk to you. Let me hand him my space phone. Not Pooptronics by the way. I use a private space pirate's cell tower. Oh yeah, that sounds cool. How is that working out? It is amazing. Hold on. Here he is. Oh hi. Is this that I see robots do that I am supposed to talk to? Yeah, it sure is. Um, who, who is this? Wait. You don't recognize my voice, my dude. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. It is me, the world-famous actor and philanthropist, Johnny Five. 
Wait, hold on. I'm talking to Johnny Five? You know from your favorite movies, Short Circuit 1 and Short Circuit Part 2. Oh yeah, man, I totally know. I've seen all your pictures. That is great. Listen, homie. AB asked if I could come and talk to you. No, that is, that's terrific. Hey, um, Johnny Five, why does your voice sound different than the way, the way that you sound in your movies? I am an actor, my amigo. I can do many voices and characters. I am quite skilled. Yeah, that's cool. Do you, do you think that you could do the Johnny Five voice for us now? No, not right now, but I appreciate that you are such a big fan. I can have AB send you an autographed photo. But look, Chief. This is going to be a great movie. If I were you, I'd consider investing. I mean, it's sure to do well. Yeah, I, I hope that it does well, but why, why, do you, why do you feel so certain? I am in it. My movies have made over $900 million in global box office. That sounds like a lot, man. That's, that's cool. Is that true? $900 million? Hold on there, Hoss. Are you saying that I am not telling it straight? I never lie, sport. 900 million dollars more if you add in the vhs sales the 900 is just box office ticket sales i am a giant draw friendo friendo johnny five i i respect you from the bottom of my heart and i am not i'm not implying that you're not telling the truth i just like right now i'm not liquid in the way that i can invest in a feature film of of this magnitude i have been spending a lot of money on on Star Wars figures uh, as of late. I mean, I bought Kylo Ren and Paige just last week, and I got I got Saw Gerrera on eBay. I just I don't have the kind of money that could really help you guys at at the present time. You must have some sort of collectibles that you can sell. A B Silver told me that you have a pretty fair comic book collection. Maybe you could sell that, or do you have a life insurance policy to could sign over to the production company? That would also work. This is a once-in-a-lifetime deal, bro. Once-in-a-lifetime. No, no, no. I, I, I get it, J5. It's, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but I just... I don't have a life insurance policy, and I don't, I don't want to sign it over to you guys, and I like my comics. That's why... That's why I, I collected them. Um, I, I do definitely appreciate the offer, but at this... You know, I'm going to have to pass. I'm going to have to pass at this time. Hey, it's your loss. I guess you want to be a jabroni your whole life. Hey man, you can't call the host of the show a jabroni. I guess that's on you. Look, ding-a-ling. Lisa Welchell is waiting. We have a reservation at Spagos. They know me there. Wait, hold on. You got reservations at Spagos with Lisa Welchell, who we all know as uh, Blair from TV's Facts of Life? Yes, Blair from Facts of Life. We have been friends for years. Okay, stud. I have to go. Smell you later. Yeah, okay, uh, talk to you soon. Well, uh, that was, that was definitely different. Okay, let's, let's move into At The Movies. In a moment, At The Movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Bank 
Anybody moves, you shoot. Do we look like cops who arrest you? We just shoot you. Boom. Den of Thieves, rated R. When we uh, when we first started seeing trailers for Den of Thieves, the latest Jerry Butler action flick, we were like, that looks pretty good. That looks like something we'll take in on a Monday afternoon. Well, that's exactly what we did the other day, and uh. I don't know, man. It was, it was pretty average. The movie is a heist film. It stars Jerry Butler and O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Ice Cube Jr., as well as Pablo Schreiber from season two of The Wire. I like Pablo Schreiber in, in this one. He is the head of a team of, like, elite level crooks. The kind that you always see pulling heists and heist movies like this. And Jerry Butler is, he's the leader of the group of cops. They're like crooked cops. Like, the crooked, um, major crime type unit. He's the leader of that. And they, uh, they go head to head. The Pablo Schreiber crew is gonna do some impossible heist. And it's up to the Jerry Butler crew to, to stop him. I don't know. The movie was, wasn't quite as good as the trailers. The trailers, to me at least, made it seem, made it seem like a high-end action flick. But then when I got it, it was just kind of, kind of a run-of-the-mill, kind of in-the-middle type action flick. Nothing, nothing you haven't seen before, but it does, it does kind of just give you everything that you would expect out of this, but just not at, not at the high level that separates a movie like this from, like, a more high-end action type thing, like a, like a Fast and Furious or whatever. I mean, when I went to see it, it's not like I had a bad time. I didn't have a bad time. It was fine. We sat there. We enjoyed it. But then when it's over, you're like, whatever. You know, you just kind of, kind of move on to the next thing. And I don't like, I don't like the slag other people's art, but this was just kind of a by the numbers kind of action flick. It's one of those, one of those movies that comes out this time of the year. And then at the end of the year, when you get, when you get the list of all the movies you've seen, you go, Den of Thieves, what was that again? And you have to, you have to go look it up. It was okay though. It wasn't like it was bad or anything. It just... It was just what it was, you know. The movie was directed by Kristen, Christian, rather, Gudegast, who did London Has Fallen, another kind of by the, by the numbers book, and A Man Apart, which has good old Vin D's from Fast and Furious, but that movie's, you know, that movie's alright. Let's, um, let's take a look at the tomatoes. The tomatoes for this jammy jam, it is presently at 44% with the critics and 78% with the peeps. Most of the people who've seen it like it, so... Take that for what it's worth. The the movie is 140 minutes. It is a bit long. I did think that I did think they could have chopped it down to like a nice tight hour 45 and they they might have they might have had something. Here's something that was just kind of a, of note that was interesting. I am a, a MMA fan, mostly like old school UFC UFC stuff back in back in the early days and this movie for whatever reason had a ton of MMA fighters in it. I saw Den Thomas. I saw, uh, what's that guy's name? I cannot, I'm drawing a blank. Michael Bisping was in it. And then the all-time great Oleg Taktorov is in it. And there's like a few others who, um, oh, John Lewis from the early extreme fighting days. He was also in the UFC. That guy was in it. I don't, I don't know what the connection was with that, but it was like every time you turned around, there was like another Another old school MMA vet. So that kind of kept me popping. Look, it's Den Thomas. Look, it's Oleg Taktorov. So I don't know. That was something. But that might not be, that might not be what, 
what you're in for. They may be only me, maybe only me and Gino Vega. I don't know, but it was something I will on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic. I am going to give Den of Thieves 2.5 2. 2. mics. 2.5 mics. This woman offers me a hundred grand to find someone. Did you take the money, Mike? You made your choice. Time to finish what you started. I am not going to do this. They will kill you, your family, and everyone on that train. She's trying to set me up. The commuter. Don't you have a train to catch? Rated PG-13, January 12th. And then the second movie we saw this week is another, yeah, kind of a by-the-numbers action flick. This one stars Liam Neeson. I love, I love myself a Liam Neeson action movie. I just love seeing this dude out there kicking butt. It's just, it's great. And this movie, this movie was fun. I would say that I enjoyed it. Let's, uh... Let's hop on over to Tomatoes, like, right off the bat. I think that sometimes they give a really nice synopsis of a movie. So let's see, let's see how they describe what happens in The Commuter. In this action-packed thriller, Liam Neeson is Michael, an insurance salesman whose daily commute home quickly becomes anything but routine. After being confronted by a mysterious stranger, Michael is blackmailed into finding the identity of a passenger on his train before the last stop. As he works against the clock to solve the puzzle... Michael is unwittingly caught up in a criminal conspiracy that carries life and death stakes for him and his fellow passengers. That's pretty much it. The whole movie unfolds on the train. I, I like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that this was an all-time great movie. It was, it was fun. It was a nice Monday afternoon Liam Neeson action flick. And going in, I didn't really have a big idea about the plot. So everything was unfolding like right before my eyes. All I knew is that Liam Neeson was on it, that homeboy is 60 years old, and he's going to be punching people in the face. And he does that, and in that sense, it delivers. This movie's not as good as Taken, or Taken 2, or Taken 3, or even as good as The Grey, but the movie is, it's definitely all right. I think that there were maybe, like, five people in the theater. We saw this one on a Monday afternoon, too, and there were, like, five people there, and they... They all seem to enjoy it. It's not like we got together and talked about it, but I could kind of tell just by, like, the vibes they were giving off that they enjoyed it as well. It's not one of, it's not one of the greatest movies you're ever going to see, but it's definitely, like, a nice way, nice way to spend a Monday afternoon or maybe, like, a Saturday afternoon when this one, when this one makes it to VHS or cable, you might want to check it out. It definitely, definitely delivers some face punches. Liam Neeson's like jumping from train to train. There's mysteries unfolding as the thing goes along. And I don't know. I dug it. I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. I I would say that I I preferred it to Den of Thieves. I don't know. That's that's not really like saying a ton, but it is, you know, it's definitely it's like saying something, I guess. I don't know. Let's hippity hop on over to uh, good old RottenTomatoes.com and we'll we'll get some of the particulars. It's PG-13 for intense action. It was directed by Wame Colette Sarah, who also directed Shallows, that shark movie with Blake Lively from the other year. I like that movie, man. I thought I thought it was pretty good. Blake Lively wears a bikini and fights a shark. You can't you can't argue with that. It was only an hour and forty minutes, so it definitely. Definitely plays short. It stars Liam Neeson, Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, 
Jonathan Banks, who is in Breaking Bad. He is Mike Armentrout, Sam Neill's in it. And as we speak, the movie is at 58% with the critics. So it's rotten with the critics. And it is 49% with the peeps. So it is... I don't know, kind of riding with the people too. I don't know what to say. I I dug it. I wouldn't call it a classic in the genre of action flicks, but I think I've said this like five times already. It's okay. It's fine. If you if you want to kill like an hour and forty five minutes, it's an afternoon. You got nothing better to do. Go see the commuter. It's uh it's all right. I recommend it in the sense that if you if you follow these variables of you have nothing better to do. It's an afternoon, and when you get out, it'll still be daylight. If you just kind of want to watch something and not have to think about it super heavily, if you just kind of want to go and have, you know, a moderately decent time, if you want to have, like, a frozen yogurt of a time, this might be something. On the good old Source magazine, Mike Meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I am going to give the commuter three mics. Three mics. Hey, this is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke on G.I. Joe, and you're listening to the Toys R Us Report. Yo, Joe! Up next, what's sure to be an awesome segment, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. You're welcome in advance. All right, this is me, IC Robots, and we are back for what is sure to be another awesome segment. This time it's going to be Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe, where we are going to use the seminal, the seminal 1980s comic book guide, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe, to take a look at, to take a look at a character who has recently popped up in the, uh, good old DCWCW Flaro, Flaro? Is that what they call it? The Flash Arrowverse? The Flaroverse? I, I like to call it the DCW, or the... Or the Berlantiverse, at any rate, it's the one that's on, it's on TV on the CW Network, like, practically every day of the week. The, the chap that we are going to look at is, he's a longtime favorite of mine. He is somebody that he and I, we go way back, it's a dude that goes by the name of Black Lightning. I've been a, I've been a comic book fan for a long time, and I've gone through... I've gone through, like, many favorite characters, and at one point, the Black Lightning was, was my favorite character. I think that I've talked about this before, but I went through this, I went through this, like, black exploitation phase where I, I discovered that this universe existed, the world of, like, Shaft and Truck Turner and all these, all these really cool, gritty movies, and this led me into discovering sort of the sort of the black exploitation version of a 70s superhero. This guy, this guy is a guy that goes by the name of Black Lightning. I I heard of him and then I researched him and I just I don't know, man. I started digging this dude a lot for a while. He was like he was like my number 1 dude, which is which is kind of, you know, it's kind of a stretch because it wasn't as if there was like a Black Lightning title at the time. I think that I think that his original title, which, um, I think it was like 1977 it came out, it lasted only like, only like 10 or 11 issues. He's, he's been around before, but the way that I discovered Dude was through the, through the seminal comics guide, the Who's Who. I would buy Who's Who when it came out every month, and our dude Black Lightning appeared in one of the, one of the really early issues. I mean, his name starts with a B, must have been like the, 
Must have been like the first, not the first, the second, third, fourth, maybe. Anyway, this one came out in May 1985, so I was like, I was in like my prime years of like superheroes and superhero comics and stuff. I mean, I don't know, maybe the prime is yet to come. I, I seem to enjoy them more and more every day in, in many different ways, so I don't know. I can't really say that it was the peak, but I will say, let's say up until... Up until the present, it was the peak, and the who's who, it really, like, opened my eyes, and it introduced me to to a lot of characters that weren't in the, weren't in titles at the time. You know, dudes like Black Lightning, the world was full of, you know, Lobo, and Blue Devil, and guys like that, and I, I wouldn't have known of Black Lightning's existence if there, there wasn't for the who's who, and me and my bro, my younger bro, we really, like, we were in this together, the whole black exploitation kick, because if I was watching something, he was probably watching it too, and we both started thinking that, like Black Lightning was like the dopest of all the all the heroes in uh in comicdom. Let's let's get into the who's who. Like I said a while ago, it was uh May of nineteen eighty-five. It cost a dollar here in in the US, and that was that was like twenty-five cents. I think that at the time comics were seventy-five cents, so that was that was a premium price to pay in Canada. It was a uh, buck thirty-five in the UK. It's forty-five pence, and this goes from Black Lightning. He's the guy on page one to to Bythe on page thirty-two. Bythe Bythe is like a bald-headed dude in like a like a bodysuit leotard with his legs coming out. It's purple, and he has he has yellow booties. He is from the planet Thanganar, which is. That's the home world of Hawkman, so I must imagine he's some kind of a Hawkman villain. If Hawkman can't murk this dude with, like, one shot from his mace, I don't... I don't know what to tell him about that. So, so when getting into, into the guide, um, Black Lightning's right there on the first page. He's wearing his, he's wearing his normal Black Lightning ensemble. It's a, uh, shirt. A shirt and pants. The shirt is open down to the belly buttons. It's blue with black, black on the shoulders and some black highlights. And then there's kind of a, uh... Kind of a lightning pinstriping throughout. He has a white mask and an afro. If um if I remember right, I remember reading somewhere that the that the afro and the mask were a wig and mask combination. He would be normal and clean cut during the day because you know he's got to blend in with the uh with the man and stuff. So he'd be normal and clean cut, and then when it was time to hit the streets, boom, he'd pull on the fro with the mask. I love that. I think that's so great. I I know that in like real life, if you tried to film that in real life, it's gonna be terrible. And that I do not in any way want them to attempt that in the comic. But I think that I think that's pretty funny. The the Black Lightning's alter ego is Jefferson Pierce. His occupation is that of an English teacher, a high school English teacher. He's divorced. He has some unnamed parents as well as an ex-wife. And in the present time, he has some daughters, and on the on the TV show, he has he has daughters as well. He is part of the Outsiders. That's his group affiliation. The Outsiders was a team that Batman put together when he'd had enough of the politics of the Justice League. So he's like, I'm moving on. I'm going to form my own crew with a bunch of dudes. We can get things going. And he got, like, Black Lightning and Katana and I think, like, Geoforce. I don't know if, remember if that was guy's name exactly. And they had a pretty good... They had a pretty good run together as a team. He operates out of Gotham City, which, uh, which means, you know, you gotta get, 
you got to get the high sign, you got to get the okay from Batman or he will not let that happen. So that's a good sign. If you're a dude working inside of Gotham City doing your own thing without without having the bat punch your face in, you know, you're doing okay. It's like that scene in, I don't remember which of the Christopher Nolan Batman films it was, but Batman's out there and he has to stop these yahoos wearing, you know, hockey armor with shotguns from trying to take up the mantle of the bat. Don't let me find you out here again. We're trying to help you. I don't need help. Not my diagnosis. What gives you the right? What's the difference between you and me? I'm not wearing hockey pants. And uh, maybe it's because, maybe it's because they didn't use the proper bat voice yet up against him. They, they weren't speaking in the code. Maybe if they've gone, what's the difference between you and me? He might have, he might have reacted differently. I don't think he would have, but yeah, it's entirely possible in... In a world of infinite universes with infinite choices and infinite things happening, in some of them, they did talk to him like that, and he did in fact say, you guys are down with me, and maybe, you know, maybe that's like an alternate version of the, uh, the Outsiders or something, I don't know. It's, you know, something to think about. He first appeared in Black Lightning number one, he is six foot one, and weighs 182 pounds, his eyes are brown, and his hair is black. Let's, let's talk about his history. For a little bit, that's the, that's the second category in the who's who. Growing up in Metropolis's suicide slum, Jefferson Pierce watched as his family struggled to make ends meet. When his father was accidentally shot to death, Jefferson and his mother soon found themselves taken under the wing of Peter Gamby, who had opened a small tailor shop underneath, underneath their apartment. That is, that's something that happens in the... In the DCW show, you see, you see Black Lightning, and in the show, he has long since retired from the, from the world of these superheroes, but when, when the situation forces him to come back, he goes to, he goes to a tailor shop, and the guy there acts as kind of a mentor, and he, he sort of, you know, a father figure type who helps the, helps the Black Lightning get his gear back, get all set up to go, and... It was cool to me to see that in the show that they they are, you know, to a degree following the mythology of Black Lightning. I think that I think that's really great. They're off to a really good start in in that regard. Let us let us continue. Determined to get out of the slum, Pierce trains himself to physical perfection. He gained national attention when he won the gold medal for the decathlon in the Montreal Olympics of 1976. The Winning the decathlon is quite an achievement. After receiving a teaching degree from Kent State, Kent State. Let's see the the Kent State massacre took place in 1970. Black Lightning got his title in 1977. It is it's entirely possible that Jefferson Pierce was at Kent State when the when the troops opened fire on the on the protesters killing killing four guys. That's that's crazy. They must have. They must have done that intentionally in the writing. Let's, uh, let's continue on the, on the history portion. Jefferson taught high school English in the city of New Carthage until his mother's death brought him back to suicide slum. I think that, I think that he should have tried to move his mother to New Carthage with him. I'm sure that that's something that he, you know, that he regrets, but maybe it was that she didn't want to leave suicide slum. It was her home, but to me... If the place has suicide in the name, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get out of there as soon as I can. That's the, 
that's the spot of the murder of uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne that was the impetus for the creation of for the creation of Batman. So maybe maybe her death in Suicide Slum will also be the impetus for the for the creation of Black Lightning. Let's let's move ahead and find out. Realizing nothing could change in his old neighborhood, Pierce decided to stay and make things change. I wonder if that was wonder if that was like a mantra. He said to himself, I'm going to make things change. I'm going to make things change. Growing more and more angry as he watched a criminal organization known only as the 100 corrupt his students and sell drugs. The 100 are the, they're the bad guys on the TV series. So I like how, I like how this is another way that they are. They're following the mythology. Um, Peter Gamby designed the costume and electrical power belt a black lightning so that Jefferson Pierce could fight back against the 100 without placing himself in perpetual jeopardy while still remaining a positive, a positive icon for the youth. That's important, man. We always got to represent for the youth. The youth are, they're looking to us dudes and we got to, we got to be there in any way that we can. This guy, Peter Gamby is, he must be some kind of a genius because Jefferson Pierce is like, dude, I need to fight back. I need to make things change. And I need something. What do you got that you can, um, you can donate so we can help? And he's like, well, I got this electrical suit, dude. It like, not only can it block bullets, but it can also shoot out like electrical zaps at guys. Why, why this guy wasn't offering it up to the military or something is beyond me. You could have, um, you could have made a fortune and also saved, saved a lot of lives. You could have, you know, given this to law enforcement dudes and they could have, they could have been saved countless times from, from shootings and stuff. But, you know. Eventually, you did come out. You did come correct. So, I got to give it to you. Even though, you know, I don't know, man. It's weird to me that you were sitting on on this thing. But a lot of dudes in comic books, it seemed like they they invent like these marvelous things and they and they sit on them. I wonder if that's the case in real life. Maybe maybe dudes out there have invented time machines or electrical belts that can block bullets or space travel warp engines, lightsabers, and they just they're just you know waiting for the right time to come forward with that stuff. I don't know. It's possible. Like, anything is possible. Infinite universes, infinite chances and choices. After many months, Black Lightning finally defeated the 100 and their monstrous albino leader, Tobias Whale. Tobias Whale is also on the TV show, which is great. Me and my brother would, like, we would peruse these who's who's all the time and just, like, find weird dudes and make fun of them. And... Tobias Whale was one of those dudes that we would, we would always poke fun of, and he was, he's like more or less a knockoff of the Kingpin. He's a giant, bald, white guy who wears a white suit. I mean, come on, it's the Kingpin. They stole the Kingpin, but they named him, they named him Tobias Whale. My, my cousin lived across the street from us, and he was, he's like four or five years older than us, and sometimes he was cool, and sometimes he would pick on us, and the times that he would pick on us, we would call him Tobias Whale and run away. I don't even know why. It's not like Homeboy was fat or big or anything. He was, he was just picking on us in the way that cousins do, and I bear him, I bear him no ill will. We're cool today. It wasn't, it wasn't like horribly abusive picking on him. It was just, you know, older cousin type stuff, and when he would pull it, we'd be like, What's up, Tobias Whale? And we would, you know, head for the hills. <laughs> it was, that was one of our cool inside jokes. And then when the Black Lightning show debuted, um, my bro, he texted me and he's like, hey, how was that Black Lightning show? He didn't watch it. He's more of like, he's more of like a sports fan, but he, you know, he wanted to see how the show was. And I told him it was great. And I'm like, check it out. That dude, Tobias Whale was in it. And he goes, who is that? So 
I don't know, he didn't remember. I was a bit, I was a bit saddened by that, but it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world, man. It's been many moons, and I'm sure I've forgotten a zillion, a zillion other things. Um, after defeating the 100, he turned his attention to other criminals. He remained active until a young girl was accidentally killed as a result of his actions. After which, he hung it up. In the, on the TV show, he has long since, long since hung up the afro wig and lightning belt, and... I wonder if at some point we will find out that it was because he he accidentally caused the death of a of a young gal. He finally resumed his black lightning identity several years later at the direct request of the Batman for a case that turned to the first mission of the Outsiders. Pierce now fights crime with his new friends as well as teaching at Gotham High. So he was he was out of the game completely, but Batman's like, come on man, I trust you. You're somebody I know you got the goods, I I need you to come back and work with me. I need you to come back and work with me in The Outsiders. And he was like, sure, that sounds cool, man, I'll I'll come back. If somebody like Batman asks you to come back, you probably, you probably want to consider doing it. That is a real, that's some real serious props. But dudes who work with Batman are also um, frequently casualties. So that's, that's something you might want to also, also consider. <laughs> Let's just, uh, let's gloss over his powers. We know, we know homie's got an electric belt that he can zap guys with. Originally, Black Lightning's power belt enabled him to surround himself with a protective electromagnetic force field and to throw bolts of electromagnetic energy. It also augmented his strength, and dude had to be pretty strong. He was a decathlete. In the course of his adventures, through as yet undisclosed means, these powers became internalized, and he can now throw bolts of electricity on his own. Man, there is a story there. I'm sure that's been explored somehow over the over the years, but in the era of the who's who, just one day, all of a sudden, Black Lightning comes back, and he's like, zip, zap, zap, throwing lightning bolts. So, there you have it. That's, um, that's a lot of, lot of other such things. One deal I remember with Black Lightning, there was an SNL skit about the, about the death of Superman and his funeral, and one of the guests at the, at the funeral was Black Lightning. We had this on a VHS tape, and we used to, we used to giggle at that all the time. Excuse me. Excuse me, this is a private service. Uh-huh, no, man, I'm Black Lightning. <laughs> black Lightning? You know, Black Lightning, you know me. Me and Superman were like this. We was tight. You know, I had my own comic book back in the 1970s. Well, I'm, I'm the one time how to fly. Look, I'm sorry, I'm Superman's pal, and I've never heard of you. Come on, man, Black Lightning. I shoot electric charges, you know. That's Batman after he know me. Yo, Batman, what's up, man? It's me. <laughs> All right, Mr. Lightning, um, if it were up to me, it would be no problem, eh? Oh, it's like that, huh? It's like that. Black Lightning was played by Sinbad. If you didn't recognize his, uh, his famous voice, and that was David Spade as Jimmy Olsen. And it's kind of whack, man. Batman just, like, straight fronted on Black Lightning after he went and tried to get him out of retirement. I, I don't know, man. It's also, that was, like, very disrespectful to a dude of Black Lightning's stature, that whole bit. Of course, he would be invited to Superman's funeral, and I don't know. It's nice to see, nice to see dude treated in a a much more respectable manner. Let's hop online really quick and see what it would cost to get Black Lightning number one, the the first appearance of Black Lightning. That is actually a comic book that that I have, um, which is uh, 
which I'm happy to say, back in the day, dude, Black Lightning, you heard that skit, he was, he was very much a disrespected dude, and I was able to pick this book up in quarter bins. I think that, I think that I have two right now. At one point, I gave one to my brother as a gift, and right now, as we, as we speak, let's see, I did, um, I did a search in a weird category, so it's not... Not giving me the details that I want. I want to find out. The best way to look up things on eBay is you see the solds. And you see what people are actually, actually paying for. For Black Lightning number one. Let's see. Somebody here has one. It's in mediocre shape. $25.50 they paid. Here's one better shape. $85. bucks. And let's see. What is the highest somebody has paid for a copy of Black Lightning number one from 1977? Here is a CGC graded 9.8 in an auction. It went for 785 bucks. The prices on graded comics are bananas. Here is, here's one that is not graded, but somebody said that it's near mint 9.8. That went for 290 bucks. That is, that's kind of an outlier. That's the highest non-graded one I see. Here's one, great shape, ungraded. Somebody paid 200 bucks back in December. That's probably when... The speculation was at its highest when the um, TV show was not yet airing. I I myself see this as like a forty, maybe a fifty dollar book, and that seems that seems realistic, which is not bad, you know, for like a quarter book investment. So let's see. There have been a couple Black Lightning figures. Here's a DC Universe one. This was a Target exclusive, and there was also a what is the name of that thing? The Direct Justice. What was the name of that silly? Silly team, Black Lightning action, fangas. There was a DC Universe, like I said, that one's pretty cool. Here, somebody made a custom, a custom Black Lightning. They're asking 200 bucks for it. Here is a History of the DC Universe, Series 2, DC Direct. That means, you know, they're going to be a little harder to find. Somebody has that. There have been... There have been a few Black Lightning figures over the year. Here's a nice custom Mego somebody made. I wouldn't... Wouldn't mind having that. What was the name of that silly line that that came out back in the day? The KB was flooded with them. Total justice. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. That's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. We'll be right back. Our price is right. Don't go away. That's what it was. Total justice. That was... That was the Black Lightning that I had for the longest time. They're very highly detailed, but... Also, also very stiff. So, I don't know, man. There you got it. That is, that's probably everything that you would ever want to know about Black Lightning. So, go out there and watch the show. It's great. I've only seen the first two, but as so far, I am enjoying it a lot. If you want to jump in on something new from the uh, Berlantiverse, this is The Goodest Time is Ending. We will. We'll be right back. Day would come. Do you remember why you became Black Lightning? You wanted to give the people hope. You wanted the evil that's out there to have something to fear. This city needs you. Black Lightning is back. Black Lightning, Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on The CW. And now, back to the Toys R Us report. You've made it this far. It's time, the final segment. The Icy Robot Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. 
All right, it is me again, and we are back for what will be the the final segment of the show. This is the one in which we talk about, I don't know, man, just like various, various stuffs and things and this and that and things of that sort. You know how we do. The, The first thing that I want to discuss is something that should have gone in the last segment. Right between then and there during that commercial break, I... I had to know how they explained Black Lightning suddenly having lightning powers when before they they were in the belt. Well, the way that they explained that was just by saying that he always had the super gene and that the electrical powers were coming from within as opposed from the belt that his that his pal made. That made me that made me a little sad because it means that like all along this guy thought that he had invented this amazing electrical belt that was allowing allowing Black Lightning to fight crime and, you know, do do the good deeds out there. And it turns out it wasn't, it wasn't anything. But then again, it was something, it was the catalyst. It's almost as if, well, it is as if. Black Lightning would have never discovered he had lightning abilities unless he had this lightning belt. But then again, you have to wonder, maybe Black Lightning didn't only have lightning powers. Maybe he had powers over other elements, but the the lightning powers were the ones that came out because of the lightning belt. Maybe, for example, if he would have made a water belt, he'd have water powers. We will never know. We will never know any of this. But something I do know is this, and I know, I know the final fate of the Christmas junk box. This is the box that I gave away to to somebody who was generous enough to go out there and buy some presents for some uh, disaffected, dissociated youth. This is a this is a chap by the name of Phil Carey, and I was I was more than happy to send the box his way. I was a bit curious about the final fate of the box. I wanted to know if there was you know anything in there that he that he liked, anything that he thought was cool. And then the other day, I was. I was on Facebook and I saw that our dude Phil took the box over to the Arcadia Retrocade, the the famous retrocade of the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast, the one that the one that Vic Sage represents, the one that Vic Sage has made, just like a mecca to me of all things cool video gaming retro style whatever. And he took it over there and he he shared the box with Vic Sage and some of the other dudes who were hanging over there. I have I've posted the pictures on the Facebook page. It was it was earlier last week that that this all happened. But man, I was so happy because I want to go to Arcadia really bad, but I don't know if I will ever make it to Arkansas, so who knows. But in in a way, a part of me made it to Arcadia, so it made this whole thing more worthwhile than it already was, and this is something we're going to repeat again next year. It's going to be great. We're going to give away that box to Toys for Tots donators. Big up to, big up to Phil Carey. What else is going on? Oh, man. They closed something, or they are going to shut down 180 Toys R Us stores. Toys R Us is not is not doing well economically right now. And the way that I understand it is that if there are two stores within a 50 mile distance, they will shut one of them down. That was a way to have stores in, you know, numerous regions all around the place. But I guess to cut down the quantity of the regional coverage. And when I when I heard this, I got I got super nervous because there is a store here, but there's also a store in San Rafael, which is, it's a few towns over, but it's not, it's not that far at all. I go to that store, we go to that store when we're on our way to San Francisco, we go to the city, when we go that direction, it's right on the highway, and we always stop, and 
As far as I have noticed, that store is, it's fairly busy. It's more busy than our store in, uh, in Santa Rosa, as far as from what I've seen. I'm not there every day or anything, but I do, I do think the Santa Rafael store was more going on, so... I don't know, man. I got really nervous that they were going to shut down ours, but they didn't. They're shutting down the one in San Rafael, which is which is a bummer because we do go there fairly frequently. And while I haven't found a lot of things there that I didn't find at ours, it's like the same region. I would imagine it's like the same trucks, but um, it's always it's always nice to have variety. If if you have a Toys R Us in your area, go there and buy stuff every once in a while because you got to support these places that give you a place to go if if you like online retailing I dig it I buy stuff online too but you got to spread the wealth you know it's nice it's nice to be able to get out of your house and go to the store and look at stuff and do some shopping so the only way that, that experience will be able to maintain itself is if you go there and you buy stuff I know a lot of people like you like to go look around and you like to do whatever, and then buy the things online. You gotta buy them there. You gotta pay for the experience of being able to go out. Before you know it, there won't be anything left to go out and do, and you'll be like, you'll be like mad bored. Sure, you'll have your computer, and that's all good and stuff, but nothing beats the experience of actually like, getting out and being able to get the get the guy in your hand, the, the Star Wars Black that you want, or the Marvel Legend that you want, or the Star Wars 3 and 3 quarter inch that you want. Just... Just go down there and buy something. Last week, me and uh, the good old wife went down there, and I bought her, I bought her a couple Barbie outfits, and I got a, um, I got a Star Wars figure. I'll talk about, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But dude, we could see the end of Toys R Us in our lifetime. So now is the time to support before it's too late. Go down there, get something, do it ASAP, man. I, I hope that none of your stores shut down. I hope that nobody out there was left with no store. Um. If you were, hit me up on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash Icy Robots. And I will, I will send you a super sincere condolence because that would be, that would be a harsh one, man. Just this, this past October, our Kmart burnt down in a fire. And you guys know my affinity for Kmart. And you know, you know the tales of the tubs fire. And losing that was, that was heartbreaking for me because that was a toy spot I like to hit up. It was the nostalgia spot I like to hit up and... That went, if Toys R Us would have went within, you know, like a few months of each other, I, I, I don't know, man, I would have been devastated. You'd find me, you'd find me rolled up in a ball on the, on the floor, moping and, and crying. Not literally, but in, inside. Inside, that's what, that's what I would be doing. Um, while we're on the topic of Kmart, we, we took a little car trip to Petaluma. That's only a couple towns over. You go, you go through Roner Park, Katati, and then Petaluma. Petaluma is... That's like the other big city in Sonoma County, the Santa Rosa, and there's Petaluma. And Petaluma is a really neat, neat town. It has a, a real older vibe to it. Um, there was like an earthquake back in the 1900s, and Santa Rosa was completely wiped flat. But somehow Petaluma survived, and they've done a really, really great job of keeping their old buildings alive. And when you go there, it's really like, it's like stepping into a blast from the past. We We really dig to go there, but... The reason we went this time was, is they also have a Kmart. They have a big K, and I'd never been there before, but I was jonesing for some Kmartness, and the wife could see it. So she's like, why don't we hop in the car and just go to Petaluma and check out their Kmart? And we did, and man, it was so much fun. I was just so excited to be in there and see everything again. You guys are probably thinking, what a goof. He loves Kmart so much. But, like, Kmart's been a big part of my entire life, man, and I really... 
when you lose these retail establishments, sometimes it's just like losing that routine is kind of like losing an old friend. And it was nice to nice to be able in like some ways to get back into that back into that swing of thing. Go on to the uh, the good old Big K in Petaluma. Oh yeah, we got some we got some iTunes reviews. I've been been meaning to read these on the air. iTunes reviews are so important to getting the show out there. So if you listen and you wanna you wanna help out, you wanna support, just hop on over there. Give us give us a positive rating and say some nice words and I'll read them right here on the show. Let's see what we got. This one is from the awesome one and it says Lots of different subjects covered. Funny skits, just plain fun. Nuff said that's uh also with a five star. Five star review, that's great. Thanks, I appreciate that, man. I'm glad I'm glad you have fun. That's that's what we're here for. Here's another one by um A1 and Sun Refridge. And it says, All the shows on the IC Robots channel are amazing. The most rise above, let's have fun, there's still beauty in the world radio network I'm aware of. Aware of. Refreshingly original and fun. That's awesome, man. I really, I really appreciate that. Because seriously, man, there is a lot of great things going on in the world. And you only get this, you only get this one go around that we know of. Who knows what, what happens, you know, afterwards. We only get this one, this one go around. And I, you know, I try to, I try to teach people to appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that in some ways, you know, this is helping, helping your vibe. And this one is from P.L. Carey. I'm imagining that's Phil Carey. Good old Good old Phil of the Christmas Junk Box fame. He gave us five, as well as the last one, which was a five. And it says, The Toys R Us Report has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. Fun and entertaining news and reviews of movies, toys, and all things retro. The other shows on the network are quality podcasts. Keep up the great work and watch out for those moon rats. Dude, I'll tell you what. I heard a moon rat crawling around a bit earlier. These... These things are a menace, man. Somebody's gonna get killed by one of these, and it might be me. I hope it's not me. I got my Pooptronics brand blaster with me at all times, just in case, but I hear them creeping around in the walls all the time. It's so gross. We just, we just can't seem to get rid of them. I appreciate the review. Super nice of you to say, man. These things are so useful, so just hop on over, go to your iTunes, and just, you know, tap out a few words. I'll read them on the air. It'll be great. Before you know it, you'll be super duper famous. That's what that's what happens, man. Just even getting a little rub from the show is going to push you into the upper echelon of Hollywood stardom. You know, for serious, dude, we just had Johnny Five on the show. You can't get bigger than that. I just uh, I just opened that Star Wars figure that I bought the other week. The Paige, she is Rose's sister, the bombardier pilot. At the um at the beginning of the movie, excuse me, I got to adjust a bit here. I've been sitting here for a long while doing this and. Gotta wiggle around a bit, and I gotta gotta get Paige. I, I brought her up here with me to talk about for a sec. I've been buying a lot of these three and three quarter inch Star Wars figures, and Paige was Paige was a cool character. You know, she didn't like have a big backstory or anything, but she went out like a hero. She went out like a champ. So we got to give it up to her. And this figure is it's really nice detail, three and three quarter inches with five points of articulation. You know, the arms and at the hips and her head. Her head's interesting. When you turn it side to side, it's like she looks up. But the the detail and the tooling of her pilot suit are great. Her mask, her air mask, moves around. You can't you can't attach it to her face or anything, but it does. It is flexible on the front, and she comes with a pistol as well as a helmet. Her her head is covered by like a beanie cap, like a beanie cap that a pilot wears uh, underneath underneath the helmet, and she also comes with her helmet. And it fits on her head. It's a really nice figure. I'm happy to add her to my collection. I'm going to go nuts 
for these three and three quarter inches. They they only cost $7.99. When I go over to Toys R Us, I'm more than happy to pick one up. I got one. I got one on eBay. I know I, I said that you shouldn't shouldn't do that as much, but this one was a Force Awakens. They don't have those on the shelf there any longer. And I got them for $8.99. It was it was alright. It's the it's the Kylo Ren, the Force Awakens Kylo Ren in the in the mask. There's one where he's outside the mask as well, but I I like him in his in in the mask. He, he looks scarier to me. Um, I haven't opened him yet. I'm going to. I have him right here. I brought him up to the station in case I felt like it, but I haven't I haven't busted into him yet. But he has his he has his lightsaber. I read that a, as you know. Kylo Ren's lightsaber goes up as well as to the sides. And what I read in, I have the visual guide to The Force Awakens. I picked it up at the Goodwill. I was pretty stoked. It was like 99 cents. It's a nice book. And they have um, they have a section on Kylo Ren's lightsaber. And it says that he made it out of a defective kyber crystal. And the and the sides are the vents. They need, um, they need to vent off some of the uh, power from the crystal and his... His action figure comes with that lightsaber. It's really neat. Um, I can't wait to get bust into him. I also, I have my eye on the Rey with her speeder from Force Awakens. You can pick that one up on eBay right now for like $12.99 boxed. Some dude has, he has like 10 of them. And that's that's with free shipping. So that's like $10. I'm, I'm going to get that in the, in the next couple days. I just, I haven't done it yet. But man, I am getting into these Star Wars dudes like crazy. I actually bought a... I bought a replica cape for my Darth Vader. I mentioned that, but it came, and it's it's pretty cool. It's essentially just like a piece of vinyl that wraps around his body with two armholes. But it it looks good, man. I'm I'm into it. I might get his might get his lightsaber. I was I was looking around for some blasters. I wanted a I wanted a replica replacement blaster for my Boba Fett, but I could only find them in groups of five or ten. And I don't want five or ten, I just want one. And maybe I'd want two. But I only have the one Boba Fett, and the Stormtrooper that I have already has his weapons, and I, I don't need another. I do want to get, also, the replica blaster for the Hoth Han Solo that my man Lamar the Revenger sent me out of the out of the kindness of my heart. So I, I want to put these guys all back into their original state. I'm getting I'm getting into it, man. I I don't need that. I don't need, like, another goofy action figure hobby, but I enjoy picking the ones up on the shelf that are out there now. The one that I, I want is a Rogue One um, figure. It's Jen Erso in the Imperial Disguise. Remember, like, she snuck onto the base and she dressed up like a uh, like a stormtrooper in, in a black, black outfit. I thought that was pretty funny because Jen Erso's probably, like, 4'11", you know, and they're... They happen to send, like, a 411 stormtrooper to the ship to investigate. And then, you know, they knocked them all out and stole their clothes. It was a very fortuitous break. Anyway, that one's like, that was like $13.99 on eBay. But I would, I would like to have it. I already have the one Jen Urso and I want another one. Then I want another one. I don't know, man. I love, love me some Jen Urso. The, the figure that is pricey from the Rogue One set is Bodhi Rook, the pilot on Bodhi. I'm, I'm Babodi. I'm the pilot. He's the one that he's the one that costs. I see him go up like 25, 35 bucks, even more, if you want him in the package. And that's sad because he's one that I would want. I liked, I liked Bodhi. I want to get the, I want to get the whole crew, the whole crew of dudes from Rogue One. Anyway, man, we are gonna get out of here. This has been enough talk of like 
whatever. So I think it's I think it's about time. About time to sign off, about time to hit the bricks, about time to uh go clean the vents. So for Iceberg 13, for Engineer Emily, for Johnny 5, for AB Silver, this is me, IC Robot, signing off the Toys R Us Report episode number 144. Who's who with the DC Comics Universe Black Lightning? If you don't know, now you know. This has been IC Robots Radio Production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported in Dehar. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. I don't need help. Not my diagnosis. What gives you the right? What's the difference between you and me? I'm not wearing hockey pants.